Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to The Witching Hour. I have a great guest for you today. She's a friend. She's an author. She's quite the magical girl. We have Amanda R. Woomer. She is the author or curator of the Feminine Macabre series, of which I'm honored to have done the intro in the very first book, and I think she's up to book four. But before I bring on Amanda, who you're going to love, where's Patty? Yeah, you know, I like I always say, if I, if I don't say this, I won't know myself. Where's Patty? I am home. I am in Hollywood, right in the hills, under the sign, and I am back from Ireland. It was the most magical trip, which I will talk about here and there. Everything you've ever heard on the magical fairy, most mystical place is Ireland. So... This week, I'm going to teach this kind of stuff. So I am here. I am in town. So if you want to study with me, Tuesday night, I'm going to teach a class on spells, charms, and brews. So simple little spells you could do yourself, charms, charms that you create, and brews that you can do. So that is Tuesday night. Sunday, I'm going to teach a class on cottage witchery, since I just spent almost two weeks in cottages in the fields of Ireland, green as they say they are. So if you are here, join me on Zoom. Check out universitymagicus.com. Okay, guess what time it is. Three guesses and the first two don't count like always. Yes, it is yawning dog time because that's how we start every show. Every show. It is time for the Willow Report. And this is our, post, our first post-Ireland Willow Report. So I was going to do a report on Willow. So, And not how much Willow missed us while we were gone. We were missing her. No, Willow was at the beach having fun, going to all the drum stores and drum shops in the area, being the belle of the ball everywhere she went. Playdates galore. I'm not sure she missed us at all, but she had a really good time. Not only do I want to thank our friend Ron for being the best puppy sitter on the planet, she knows how to sit better, she knows how to stay better, and she knows how to heal better. And you know what that tells me? All her bad behavior is our fault. Yeah, we're this, those kind of parents. Um, she was very happy to see us, of course, and we are jumping down. I have the silliest pictures that Ron took of us loving her like, oh my God, she just landed from the moon. Um, she did let her thoughts know a little bit by giving me a gift on the middle of the bed, but you know, par for the course. <laughs> she would... We're home. She went to the beach. She went shopping. She spent a lot on the credit card. That's the Willow Report. We're back. Oh. <laughs> Let's do some magic, shall we? All right. This week's magic... It's almost a hybrid, but not really. The magic of Willow. No, not my precious little doxy dog. Willow, as in the willow tree. Um, the reason I did actually name my little puppy Willow. No, it was not for the Taylor Swift song. It was for this. Willow trees and willow bushes and pussy willows have been magic forever and ever and ever. Magical trees in almost every form of magic. Um, in China, they're, they're, they're a symbol of immortality. 
Who doesn't want that? In the biblical, they are mentioned in the Old Testament. Jews, the exiled Jews, would hang their harps over the willows as they wept beside the rivers of Babylon. In Greece, the goddess Hera, she was born under a willow tree in the land of the underworld. In the underworld, the kingdom of, of, of Pluto and Persephone it's all about wheelos. Orpheus, I don't want to get too technical. Am I getting too technical for magic? Okay, I'm just going to, I'll give you less history, but it's magic everywhere. But I will talk about willow groves are sacred to Hecate. Yes, the witch's goddess, the dark witch's goddess Hecate. It's all about the willow. During the Middle Ages, actually, um, the willow became the traditional motive adorning tombs, so often associated with the dead and immortality, but also with love. Lots of love things. So let's get into a little spell work, shall we? A lot of people I know um, seem to want to turn love into friendship. As weird and as often as I want people to find their love, they want to turn love into friendship. Maybe it's a marriage that didn't work out and they have some heads to get some, they have kids together and maybe one fell more out of love than the other one, but you still want to have a real friendship and you don't want to have the stuff. Here is an old spell to use a willow um, to dismiss love and transform it into friendship. Do it on a full moon. Get a foot-long tendril of a weeping willow tree and braid it with an equal length of bright red cord or green yarn. Um, let the knots braid in between and hang charms on them and hang them into the airy moon until it's at its last quarter. On three successive nights, under the knots, undo the knots one by one in privacy and in silence. And before the new moon, burn the red strand of string. And guess what? Coil the willow, tuck it into a nice soft place, and what was a love can become a dear friend. All from the magic of a willow. Now, for the druids, good old witchy druids, um, theirs was the weeping willow, actually. Um, it's not a tree or a shrub. It is the weeping willow. It is beautiful. The Irish called the pussy willow one of the seven trees of the land. So if you're one of seven, that's pretty good. Um, they are often used to guard against evil. They are often used in love spells. They are often used in wands, the wood of a willow. I will teach that another day, but each different kind of wood, the magic it has, an oak wand versus a rowan wand versus an oak wand. But willow wands are really magical. Again, love, they're really good for divination. Um, you know, you heard knock on wood. It's about a willow tree. So not that we find that many willow trees, but that's where the knock on wood to avert bad luck is knock on wood on a willow tree. It's under leadership of the moon and a little bit of willow magic. So make up your own, whether you want to find love, turn love into friendship, good luck, or just plain old immortality. Look for a willow. That's the magic report. I have got writer, anthropologist, and paranormal researcher, Amanda Woomer. You might go, oh wait, yeah, that's the feminine macabre girl. Yes, indeed it is. I was honored to do the foreword in her first book, but she's got lots of books, adult books, kids books. She's got spook eats, but instead of me reading her bio, let me introduce you. Hi, Amanda, how are you? I'm good, how are you? <laughs> I am great. I'm so happy to have you on. You have turned this into like, this amazing series. Thank of, you. <laughs> and again, and 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 feminine, even like what I wrote in my thing, it's like 
we need more girls in this paranormal world. So thank you. Thank you for our feminine side of the world. Thank you. Oh, and thank you. I just want to say face to face, thank you for writing our forward. Like, it was a major leap of faith for you. You had no idea if this was going to be any good at all. And we asked you, could you write our forward for volume one? And without even hesitation, you said, sure. So for that, like, I just appreciate it so, so much. Um, oh, you were... because it was a leap of faith for you. <laughs> Thank you. And you, you didn't know how I wrote. No, I don't um, but no, happy to do it. How did this, well, tell people a little bit about you, how, how you can, what, like even what is spook eats people are going what and my favorite word is haunted hospitality um i mean like you say i think in one of your your videos it's like yes we go into the the, the dark dingy prisons and stuff but i like ghosts at the pub so what is spook absolutely eats? <laughs> so basically spook eats is my attempt at creating a travel guide for your average everyday person that wants to experience the paranormal. Um, so we go to haunted restaurants, haunted bars, haunted hotels, cafes, B&Bs, and we like to share the history of the location, talk about the food or the drinks, and then share the ghost stories, the kind of spooky end of things. And that really stemmed from my own personal paranormal journey. I was always interested in these sorts of things, even as a small child, but it was just an innocent curiosity until um, in 2015, my younger brother passed away from pediatric cancer. And for me, that was a huge turning point. For me, my grieving process was really starting to research the paranormal. But I found that a lot of these locations are really difficult for your average everyday person to access. So that's why I started going to the haunted restaurants and the haunted, haunted hotels to access it for myself without, you know, spending a small fortune trying to get into these locations. And I'm not the only person that's ever lost someone and then questioned what came next. So that was really the seed that was planted in my mind for Spookies was wanting to create a map for other people who are searching for those answers about life and death and what could potentially come next so that they can then visit these locations and come to their own conclusions themselves about what they think the afterlife is made of. That's beautiful. Okay, so all this research you've been doing in B&Bs and Cubs and Clubs and to research into the other side, have you gotten answers things since your brother's death? Have you gotten new ideas of life and afterlife? Absolutely, 100%. You know, for me, having grown up in a very, very traditional Christian household, um, I had, you know, my belief system where like, there's the old man that lives in the sky and the castle in the clouds, that's where you go when you die. But so many things about that belief system did not sit well with me, even as a small child. So I, over the years, I would, you know, look at other religions and different belief systems and study it. So I was always kind of a patchwork type of person to begin with. Then once my brother passed away, I desperately needed to find new answers because nothing seemed to be real for me anymore. So you know, through talking with people who have experienced grief and loss, who are also paranormal investigators, has kind of helped shape me. Um, going on investigations and brushing against the other side um, has also helped shape me. Um, I was lucky enough to um, have a location where I visit regularly that my brother was very, very active at this location. It's a haunted theater in my hometown. 
And on a ghost hunt there, I just happened to reach out to him, which was something I always told myself I would never do just because I knew I would become obsessed with it if I did. But for that one instant, I just thought, you know, this is his favorite place in the whole wide world. Everyone he ever loved is in the same building on the exact same night. If he's going to be anywhere, why not here? So I just asked him, you know, during uh, my little EVP session, you know, are you okay, dude? I just need to know that you're okay. And crystal clear as day, I got his voice saying, I'm fine. And that exact same night, um, one of my friends on her cell phone snapped a photograph of Jed, my brother, in the exact same spot that I got this EVP. So I've been very, very fortunate to have gotten that reassurance that Jed is okay and that I will see him again and that he's not in some castle far away. He's right next to me. I just can't see him. Um, and that's just been so helpful. And really the only comfort that I've been able to find has been through a paranormal research and study. That's beautiful. And if you want to see him, I could help you with that. Just saying. (laughs) (laughs) We have it in us. We really do. It just gets so not developed in our non-mystical society and world, but we have it in us. And you, you definitely do. So just saying, if you ever want to, but you know, he's there and that is, um, Amazing. Um, so I know you're a horror girl and you write ghost stories and you write all sorts of things and you're a Halloween girl and a horror girl. And, and um, I love it because I am too. <laughs> what gave um, it away? I don't know. <laughs> um, but do you have any haunted dolls? Uh, so not officially. I wish I had him within reach right now. We have a little clown that um, I'm just going to grab him real fast because we okay, can edit grab this. Him. Okay, so whoa. so I am not a huge doll fan. Um, I it's one of my fears, and I try to overcome it whenever I can. So my family and I we used to own an escape room, which is a weird fun fact. Um, but um, one of the things that we bought while we were just decorating, we went for like a Sherlock Holmes's parlor for our lounge area. And we were buying old dolls and we had this big group of dolls that we were like, will you take $10 for all of them? And they were like, absolutely. And we thought, what's wrong with them? Like, why did you give them away so quickly? So this little doll that I have here, we named him Harold. And every time we came into the place and anytime we left, we would say hello and goodbye to him. So this is Harold in his little rocking chair. Um, I don't know if he's necessarily haunted. I've never really investigated it because he's sitting right next to me (laughs) all the time. And I don't know if I really want to know that. Um, But there was just something about him when we were getting rid of our business. It was in the midst of COVID. We were selling everything. And for whatever reason, I wanted to keep Harold, which is hilarious because I'm afraid of clowns. I'm afraid of dolls. But for whatever reason, I wanted to keep Harold. So... I joke saying that he is my little haunted doll and I have him in my spooky office. Um, so yeah, that's the only guy that I have. And I don't know if I'll ever like branch into anything deeper than that. I don't know if my heart can handle it. <laughs> well, he is adorable. And as far as clowns go, he's pretty cute. Like I, I'm a doll girl. I've had dolls my entire life. I have hundreds of dolls, Barbies, everything. But clowns now scare me. So you go for a clown and a doll, but he's pretty cute as clowns yeah, go. Yeah, he's not um, 
Yeah, no. And again, they're not always haunted. Like the girl behind me, Belle, she is haunted. She has a spirit in her. This little girl over here, Cheryl, um, she's not, there's no spirit. I see spirits. There's no spirit. Mm -hmm. And then one day she just kind of moved into frame, moved out of frame with like a whole 30 Zoom people watching her. And she's still not haunted, but something came from outside. You saw an orb fly out through here into the doll, move the doll. So so you, you have this beloved little Harold. So he could be either like a little vessel for things mm -hmm. passing through. But so long as you keep it love and light and yes. everything, he's fine. Yeah, fine. so he's my little buddy. He's adorable. <laughs> I like it. Um, I love your whole office. It's beautiful. Oh, thanks. So, um, uh, one thing I've read in in looking up your stuff, I love, you know, we, we Ghost Hunter and we know Ghost Hunter and all the TV shows. And then now we have hospitality travel, which is great. So what, and I saw you somewhere take do the difference. What is the difference in a paranormal investigator and a ghost hunter? So for me, and this is just my personal opinion in it all because for whatever reason in recent years I feel like the word ghost hunter has gotten a negative connotation for it for whatever reason and in my mind I don't think that that's necessary so for me the way I look at it is that it's a very natural progression to go from a ghost hunter to a paranormal investigator you know I I basically consider ghost hunters to be people that they do public events they don't really have a lot of gadgets. Maybe they have a flashlight or a digital recorder. Um, and they really go through guided events. Um, maybe they you know, get their toes a little wet and they dabble in it on their own every so often. Um, and then those few ghost hunters that are really sucked into it, like all of us, um, become paranormal investigators, which I think kind of evolves into doing a lot more research, whether it's into the history of locations or the theories behind why these things are happening or the science and the mechanics behind the gadgets. Um, you invest more money in those gadgets um, and you really start to seriously investigate these locations, um, whether you're doing it for the thrill of the hunt or to dispel myths or to connect with the other side to find proof of life after death. There's so many different reasons why people become paranormal investigators. Um, but I don't think that they should be like poo-pooed upon by one another. I think you can't have paranormal investigators without ghost hunters. I think every investigator starts off as a ghost hunter. Um, you know, when I was about 14 years old, I had my tape recorder to date myself with a tape recorder. Yes. Um, <laughs> you know, I would go to the park at the end of my house or just outside somewhere or to old buildings and try to do a little EVP session. Did I ever mm -hmm. catch anything? No, not really. But, you know, those were like my ghost hunter roots. And then over the years and with losing my brother, that kind of helped mold me into the investigator and the researcher that I am now. So I never like it when investigators kind of look down on people who call themselves ghost hunters or use the word ghost hunter, because I do think that they are connected and they both have a valid place within the paranormal field and within the paranormal community. So I think the sooner we embrace that, um, the better off we'll be. I know like para-unity is like a buzzword right now and some people really believe in it and some people absolutely despise it. Um, <laughs> but I do think we can all kind of get along and find that common ground. And I think by 
kind of uniting under the idea that ghost hunters and paranormal investigators are kind of one and the same, just evolving over time. I think that's a great way to look at it. I mean, granted, it's what popped into my head. So, of course, I think it's a good idea. But... Right. No, I love that. And I love reading that because because I, I do because I do all these conventions. It's like yeah. I know you have one coming up, which we'll talk about. Um, and I just it's like I've never heard somebody put into the same sentence before. Um, and I do. Paranormal investigator just sounds a little more serious. Like yes. you say, now we're, we're scientists versus yes. um, versus I'm going on a hunt. Yes. And I just never like the word hunting because that sounds like you're killing something. How do you kill something that's already dead? Yes. So if, you, if you're a, a ghost searcher, a ghost looker, but yes. that, does, that doesn't make sense. That but doesn't sound I, nearly as good. <laughs> and I have this whole theory that people because the world, our world is so weird, and it is, it's scary, weird, you know, war, pestilence, yeah. pandemics, that um, people want something more. So, you know, in olden days, they would go right for traditional religion and things like that, like, oh, I'm going back to church because this is scary. Yeah. And some people who that's not working for, and even going into more new age or new modern spirituality or old age spirituality, they don't even want that but they want to know there's something more than what they're seeing on the TV. They are becoming ghost hunters and paranormal yeah. investigators to know like you did with your brother. It's like, I, I got to know there's more. I don't want this religion stuff. So I think it's, it's, it's going to keep growing and growing and growing as the veil thins, as this humanity. And I guess we humans are the goofiest people. We're always going to mess things up. We mess up everything, but that's, what's charming about us. Right. I mean, as yeah. far as this versus that, this first church of that versus the second church of that it's ridiculous but yeah. you just have to embrace the ridiculousness of humanity i think yeah that you know we had to kick ourselves in the butt all the time <laughs> um so so tell us about where did the feminine macabre come from these tell us people what it is it's stories it's all about the other two books Woo, to yeah, go with that <laughs> the collection um so basically the feminine macabre came from a conversation i was having over on another show and we were talking about women in the paranormal historically speaking um so we were talking about women like katherine crow eleanor sidgwick lorraine warren um and I learned that aside from Lorraine Warren, nobody knew who I was talking about. And I'm a firm believer that your average everyday person only knows who Lorraine Warren is because of the Conjuring franchise. Right. Um, for whatever it's worth, take it for what it is. Um, so that really got me thinking. And then I started thinking about modern day women within the paranormal. And I was like, if you ask anyone, you know, hey, who's your favorite paranormal investigator? They would just off the top of their head list dozens of men. And I don't know if they would have been able to name a woman. Um, you know, your forward in volume one did a great job of saying, you know, you could just come off the top of your head naming all of these men. And really, you could only count the women on one hand. Yeah. And still can. I, I, and I think that's still very true. And it got me really thinking because in my experience, you know, I host public investigations and I always find that there's more women than men at these events. And the men that are there seem to have been dragged there against their will. <laughs> um, that's just what I've observed. And so it just like, I, again, I just kept thinking like, why is this? Like there are just as many women in this field, if not more, they're working just as hard as the men. They're working with just as much integrity. And the things that they're studying and researching is just absolutely fascinating. 
why don't we know about this? So that was kind of the seed that was planted in my brain. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do a call for submissions to see if anyone's interested in this sort of topic. Would people be interested in an all-female paranormal journal? And this just covers everything, not just ghosts and hauntings, but tarot, witchcraft, um, folklore, death culture, cryptids, anything, dark history. Um, and I was nervous that I would have to pretend to be 20 or 30 different <laughs> women just to get it going. But that was obviously not the case. And it's really gotten a great reception from people, um, men and women alike, you know. And I always say that this isn't about creating, a, you know, a boys versus girls team. You know about the men that are doing the work in the paranormal. You already know what they're doing. They don't need help. Whereas with the women, this is just here to amplify their voices. It's not giving them a voice. They already have it. It's just amplifying it and getting their research and theories and ideas out there. And it's been just amazing to see the community that it's created, the friendships that's blossomed from, you know, people submitting to this. And then they, you know, they connect on social media. And I've learned so much just editing it and reading these topics. Um, and I know so many people have learned so many different things. And some of the essays have changed the way people have viewed certain aspects of the occult, the metaphysical, the paranormal fields. Um, and that's what I wanted. I want people to walk away from this having learned something new, just one thing. You'll probably learn a lot more than just one thing. Um, but, and again, it doesn't matter, you know, your sexual orientation, the color of your skin, whether you're male or female um, or neither, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, you can really just learn so much from these these writers and these researchers. And I'm excited to see where it continues to go. Because um, I was, again, I was nervous that number one wouldn't be anything but Amanda Woomer pretending to be different people. And now <laughs> we've got three volumes out. So clearly I was, you know, worrying about nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> that is beautiful. So what were some, did you have like little standout stories that people have to go get your book or anything that really touched you? that you there, want to talk about there was one um in the most recent volume so here in volume three um i might be pronouncing her name wrong um but elaine de bowen um she wrote about astrology and i am the first to admit i know absolutely nothing when it comes to astrology um I, I try i really do but i don't understand it i don't get it i try to do my research but she wrote an essay about um, how her friend who had passed away somewhat recently, she started noticing these coincidences and things that she would consider signs from him. And she just decided to start charting using the stars and astrology when these things are happening. You know, is there something lining up where it is a not a coincidence, but it is actually happening? And one of the things that she says was, I can't prove spirit communication, but I can track it. And that seems to be the next best thing. And when I read that line, it blew my mind. I thought it was incredible. And the theories that she has and the evidence that she has to support these theories is really uncanny. Um, and I've had several people who have lost loved ones, you know, recently. Um, and I've encouraged them to read her essay. 
Um, just because it's one of those things where you think, well, you know, maybe it's possible to hear from a loved one. Maybe it's possible that they're still there. And she finds physical evidence in the stars that you can't deny that. Um, and it was just so fascinating to me, even for a layman like me, I didn't understand astrology. I was still able to take away so much from that. Um, I really hope other people, whether they're grieving or not, um, can just read that and walk away changed um, because I know I did. That's beautiful. Yeah, I I don't have a head for astrology. I love it. I respect it. Yeah. I have amazing astrologer friends who tell me what I need to know about the exactly. Planets. But it's too. Mu- I think it's just too much math for me. It's too left brain. How many points, nodes, uh, and then yes. I, it goes into math class, and I. Uh, yes. I shut I'll, down I'll, as soon as numbers come my way. I'm like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Just tell me. Yeah, yeah. That it's so feel funny. Better. Yeah, no, it, I think it's a, and some people are just so brilliant at that and other, yeah. other, you know, forms of divination and things. It's so funny. So you're not the only one. There's two of Good. us. Uh-huh. Good. <laughs> um, so what are some of the things you said you have coming up? I know you mentioned before we came on air. Tell us. So um, my next big thing that I have coming up is the Haunted America Conference in Elton, Illinois. Um, that's run by, by Troy Taylor. Um, it's celebrating its 25th year. So I think it's officially like the oldest paranormal conference in America, at least. Um, Very, very excited. I wanted to go last year, but with COVID, it was so up in the air and I was, I had a little, little one and I just didn't want to make the trek out there um, with all of the variables. So I am really excited to be getting there and finally meeting people in real life. You know, you have internet friends that you connect with, especially since COVID, you haven't really gotten out into the world. So it's exciting to be able to, you know, meet people and talk with them. And I'll be releasing a new book there, hopefully, fingers crossed, as long as everything stays according to plan, um, as well as speaking there. So I'm really excited about that. I have a couple of other smaller lectures and talks coming up over the next couple of months, but that's that is uh, very exciting for me is the Haunted America Conference in June. That is beautiful. Yeah, I haven't done that one myself because I'm just starting to do like more Eastern stuff. And yeah. you're going to love it, though, because talk about camaraderie, talk about family, talk about like what your book has done for for pe- women coming together. Now, this is just everybody. Yeah. Men, and it's, it's you're going to love it because this year is really picked up. This is the year that it's back. It's full force. Everybody's yeah. alive. We survived, yeah. we survived um, it. We survived it. Um, so before we go, tell people, you know, people want to find you. How can people find you and know where you're going to be appearing? Where can people get your beautiful books? And what are some of the other books that you have? So um, my website is spookeats.com, and that's where you can see my upcoming schedule. Um, So all the conferences and talks I'm going to be having over the next few months, it's all listed there. Um, All of my books are also available on spookeats.com. All of the feminine macabres are available on there, as well as a couple of my other books. Um, So my first book ever was The Haunted Atlas of Western New York. Very, very localized, um, but it's um, been a very popular 
item here in the Buffalo area where I'm from. Um, I also have a book about America's haunted breweries, distilleries, and wineries, um, which is very, very fun. It talks about a bunch of different of these haunted locations all across the country. Um, so not nearly as localized as my first book. Um, and I have a book called The Ghosts of the Ghost Light Theater. Um, that is the theater where I got the EVP of my brother as well as the photo. That's where I host um, public events. Um, for me, it's the most haunted place I've ever been to, but I've grown up there. So just statistically speaking, I'm going to have more experiences there. Um, and 100% of the profits from that go right back to the theater. Um, so it's a nice fundraising book. And um, the very frightful Victorian Christmas book I just released last Christmas has um, six Victorian Christmas recipes that I've kind of tweaked for the 21st century, um, as well as 12 ghost stories from Victorian times. So perfect to make Christmas creepy again. Um, <laughs> so, so those are all available on my website, spookeats.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at spookeats, nice and easy. And then um, with the Feminine Macabre, we are on Instagram as well as Facebook. So that's where you can find me. Yay. So you can find her everywhere. You guys, I <laughs> highly recommend it. These books are amazing. They're stories. There's so many different authors and you, you just can't put it down and you don't want to. So thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on The Witching Hour. I am thank thrilled. You. I'm going to have to have you come back again after your next book. <laughs> and uh, maybe I'll see you at one of these conventions one of these days. Fingers crossed. Thank you so yeah. much for having me. <laughs> thank you. Thanks for visiting The Witching Hour. <laughs>